Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. People were there. We will continue to raise our voices. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning, Tuesday morning Sunshine has disappeared for a while With a bit of luck, it'll be back Before very, very long We'll live in hope as it were 1850-715-996 The number to call I love this idea Well I don't love it, I'm looking at it going How on earth are you going to do it? This idea from County Leitrim Now, it is Leitrim So They're going to Test Doggy doo-doo for DNA. Alright, so if they find doggy doo-doo in the park or in the street or on the footpath, they're going to test it for the doggy DNA. And then they're going to get DNA samples from passing dog owners. Lick the stick there, doggy. Lick the stick. They're going to get... And if your DNA sample... sample matches the poo sample then there could be fines involved now it is Leitrim but it is not and we've checked it is not April Fool's Day I'm just thinking <laughs> look it might be a good idea you might think it's a good idea but I'm just wondering like how that's going to work alright you know <laughs> you find this big mound right and it's been left you take a little scooping out of it you put that into an envelope and then you find a fellow walking a dog up the road and you go, sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. Leitrim County Council here. Um, any chance the dog would would lick the stick? The doggy licked the stick. Like, can you just, I can't see this working. Like. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll read more. It might happen in Cork. You'd never know yet. Speaking of what is happening in Cork, and um, we're looking into a bank holiday weekend and we've been taking calls on this for the last few weeks. 
after we were allowed to go outside 5K and after we were allowed to visit the various parts of our wonderful county, we were getting calls about no bins, no toilets, broken toilets, closed toilets. And it came up at the city or the county council meeting this week. Uh, Green Party councillor Liam Quaid uh, raised it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Councillor Quaid isn't able to be with us this morning, but I am joined by Councillor Marcia Dalton and Councillor Audrey Buckley. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Now, this came up at the County Council after it emerged that there were long queues at a public toilet, no toilet paper, no hand sanitizer, another toilet broken, and three pregnant women left rightly in the lurch. That was in your area, Audrey, was it? Yeah, that's correct. Um, and it wasn't just uh, pregnant women I've heard about. Um, a lot of children and the public at large as well looking for public toilets is a basic necessity yeah. that we unfortunately don't have in place. Um, I myself um, have brought this up many times um, previously. I, I just don't understand it in this day and age why we're not facilitating for the public um for public toilets to be in place, especially at tourist spots. Let's take where you are first, Audrey, down around there, the Crosshaven area. Like, how many public toilets would be available in the general Crosshaven area? Um, well, we have one in Crosshaven Village, and unfortunately, it's probably 15 plus years old. Um, so it seems like the last two weekends it was out of commission. Um, it's very fiddly. It um, it breaks easily the door in it. So um, we need to look at uh, getting that changed to something that will be fit for purpose. Um, and I don't think one toilet is probably enough. Um, I think what we're also seeing is because other businesses are closed. Um, I would say that the public in previously would have used um, other areas of public businesses. Mm. And that's what happened uh, this weekend. I got a lot of complaints about of um, angry uh, tourists down here, um, no toilets, going to um, the two or three public businesses that are open and not being allowed to use the toilets, um, especially because of COVID regulations, letting public in to their space and plus therefore staff. so it's just very unfortunate. And, and, you know, we live here. This is our home, you know. And when you see people using by the playground and that, children that have to go to the toilet and there's yeah. no facilities. And you take places like, say, Camden and Grabal Bay, Church Bay, Fennels Bay. Do they have toilets, any of them? No, 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 no. Um, I would like to see toilets. I, I have brought this up previously in a motion, um, one for Myrtleville and the toilets in Fountainstown um, being upgraded, but the one has been broken currently for a while. Is there no toilet in Myrtleville? Nope. Get away. I know there's a toilet in Fountainstown. is isn't always in the best nick now, but it's yeah. there. Yeah. We need, um, the. this should be a national initiative. There needs to be money put aside and they need to look at doing what other countries do. You know yourself, PJ, when you go to Spain, France, other countries, the facilities are there, there are. for the public. When you're going to the beach for a couple of hours, where do they expect you to go to the toilet? You'd walk from Merciful to Fennels Bay and sometimes, and because like, I walk a lot, and you would see the remnants of people using 
Which is unfortunate. Just yeah. stay there for me, Audrey. Mar- Marcia, pa- Passage West, I know, that's your bailiwick. And a lovely place to walk on a, on a sunny day. The playground down there and that lovely little harbour right in the centre. Any public toilets in Passage? Yeah, we do. We have one. It's actually an all-singing, all-dancing kind of a toilet. Um, it's in the original Town Council building, which now houses the Maritime Museum. Right. So that was opened in... I might have a year wrong, 2017, 2018. Okay. And I was on the town council since 2004. And in all the years preceding that, I and, to be fair, every other representative around that table begged and begged for a public toilet. We said we're at the end of a line. Um, you know, the line was very popular for cycling. It had been developed into a greenway. It was at one stage the most used greenway in the whole of Ireland, <laughs> an unsung, cherished um, asset. And there was no toilet at the end of it. So that did come, um, ultimately, and it's very much appreciated. But when it goes down, as the one in Crosshaven did over the weekend, I, like Audrey, get an unprecedented number of contacts, which was something I didn't expect. But it happens. Yeah. I suppose we are being encouraged to, to stay outside and with no choice, every place is closed. But we are being told, you know, do what you want to do, do it in the outside, have your coffee in the outside, that kind of thing. But then you're you need a toilet. Another thing that's a huge. Sorry, PJ, if I yeah. could interrupt there, it's it's more than that actually, and I didn't realise this. There are quite a significant cohort of people who medically need the proximity of a yes. toilet. Yes, I forgot that. And that's something we don't think about. And those people are genuinely, in times like this, prisoners if we don't have public toilets available. And I felt so sorry for people like that when I became aware of it. Yeah. Someone like who has Crohn's disease or yes. anything like that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Does absolutely. that mean they're supposed to stay at home until all this is over, you know? Yeah. And that's terribly difficult and a terribly embarrassing situation for them to be in. Yeah, I spoke, I remember, I, I forgot that, and thank you for bringing it to my, back to my attention. I remember speaking to a, a young woman a, a number of years ago, and like that now in the story, just the lack of, of toilets in town, and she just said, look, if I'm caught short, I'm caught short, and I'm talking seconds. Yeah. 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 And we don't have we don't have enough. Another thing that came up at that meeting, um, Councillor Quaid brought it up, and I think uh, Kevin Murphy and Kinsale said litter litter is a huge problem. We have had many many complaints, and we've had photographs and videos from all over the county. Litter, disgraceful, filthy people. Yeah. Well, well, ourselves in Crosshaven on Saturday morning, I was down there at 8.30 speaking to the, the ground staff, which are doing a fantastic job. Um, and we're very fortunate, Cargline MD um, allowed them to pick up the litter on a Saturday and Sunday morning. And in um, he picked 14 bags in 24 hours just from Crosshaven Village. That was just in 24 hours. And he was going out to Myrtleville and Fountains down then to pick up that litter. And then Sunday, again, the village was just totally littered. Um, the bins are all full. They're not fit for purpose. They're mm-hmm. probably about 20 years old. H- how many I are was, there? We have, um, they're saying there's 16 bins in total in the Crosshaven area. <laughs> um, but they're the small, older bins. Um, on, we had to put a special flap on them for the birds to stop pulling rubbish out because if people don't push the rubbish all the way down in the small holes, mm-hmm. the birds are pulling them out. So the flap even is a more of a deterrent for people pushing their hand in to push the rubbish down. Yeah. Um, so they're not fit for purpose anymore and I totally understand about bring it in, bring it out, that concept but when you have children with ice cream, sticky wrapper papers chipper paper with curry and that, people aren't 
going to bring that home. No, I'm a, well, you see, I, I'm a huge believer in if you're going out in the car with the kids for an afternoon in Crosshaven or Fountainstone or Myrtleville or Passage or Yall or Kinsale or wherever you happen to be going, I'm a huge believer in bringing a plastic bag in the boot of the car and taking your junk home. And I see from the report in the examiner that the chief exec, Tim Lucy, has said pretty much that. He said the council has 958 litter bins and if he had his way, there wouldn't be any. He said the public is responsible for littering and should bring their own litter home. I understand that, but, you know, we live in these tourist spots. I mean, the village has, was, was thronged this weekend. Mm. Um, you know, it's when, it's, what about the people living there? You yeah. know, it's fine to say that. What if, Actually, speaking of living there, and I'll come back to you, Marcy, with regard to Passage, but specifically in, say, beach areas on a weekend, and I remember this back in 2013, I went on a personal rant. I was absolutely disgusted one morning when I went down to Myrtleville early morning. I happened to be off, went down for a swim in the early morning, and the place was just like there'd been a bomb hit it. And I discovered that the, the council only came, came to the place maybe twice a week, so it just... like we should, if, you, if that would not happen in Spain, you'd have the council truck out at four in the morning. Well, they are coming now um, every morning. We've Good. got our, we're very fortunate Car Glen MD have agreed to that. So they are coming, but they only go to the bins. It's the volunteers who are picking up, like the Merchable Swimmers, etc. Yeah. Um, I've, um, I'm a tidy toner myself for the last 15 years. I've just handed out 30 litter pickers recently to people living in Fountainstone, Crosshaven, Merchable areas. Mm. So they're all doing their bit, but it's very deflating and you can't be asking volunteers every morning to go out no, and pick up litter from the beaches. Marcia, no, I'll bring you in on that one. Like, mm. Does Tim Lucy have a point? You know, if you are out with the children in the car of an afternoon, is there not an amount of personal responsibility here when you know that bins are few and far between or that they might be full? Is there not an amount of personal parental responsibility here to bring a bag and bring the stuff home? Of course. Of course he's right. There is 100% personal responsibility on one to bring, to bring one's rubbish home. He says we spend 3.2 million on emptying litter bins and street cleaning and he's darned if he's going to pay, spend any more of taxpayers' money on cleaning up after the dirty, that that personal responsibility has to kick in. But where it goes wrong, and I, like Audrey, I'm a tidy town there for as long as I can remember, and we would litter pick regularly, and all the towns I know litter pick regularly, as in several times a week, by volunteers. Where it goes wrong is that Everybody who brings their litter home or, like you, carries their plastic bag in the boot to bring the rubbish home from whatever they may have had for the treats of the day will agree with him. But those who already litter won't. And, and that's where it goes wrong. So if there, there are people, psychologists in university who study this, the psychology of littering, and they've identified that the amount of litter on the streets positively correlates. In other words, it's directly related to the distance from a public litter bin the condition of the public litter bin um, and the, the number of public litter bins. So, in other words, the fewer they are or the less well they're presented or the less frequently they're emptied, the more littering there is. And whilst the chief executive is absolutely correct in what he says, will that change public behaviour? Is it that, That's kind of like saying, so, Marcia, that if you don't see enough bins or the bins are full and the place is dirty... That psychologically is sending a message, well, our public officials don't care, so why should I? I don't think it even sends that. It's just what they find, what the studies that I've read have found, is that there's a whole um, subliminal psyche, if you like, that if somewhere is dirty, it's acceptable to be dirty. 
Yeah. If somewhere is clean, it's acceptable to be clean. And that's a whole thing we don't even speak about. That's actually fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. If the place is dirty, there's no mental motivation, as it were, to clean up for yourself. Correct. Yeah. Correct. We see it in dereliction, PJ, that, 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 that term called creeping dereliction. You know, somebody's got a dreadfully maintained house in the middle of the street and you're beside it. Why would you bother going to the bother of, you know, painting it up and making it look beautiful when you've got this mess beside you? Maybe that's so pride in your own personal go. space. To control, to control what you can, not what you can't. Audrey, we're heading into a bank holiday weekend. The weather looks, it looks half dodgy, but you never know, it could change. And locals will be very worried about littering coming into um, the May weekend. I think so, but I, I honestly think public toilets for this area, like an incident happened recently in Crosshaven Playground. A parent went into a business, um, let their toilet, let their child do their business in this private property um, so that has to stop um, they're now thinking of themselves charging a euro get hiring a member of staff charging a euro and letting people use their public toilet um, and because you've got littering with the public uh, with you know when they're cleaning up after their kids and leaving it on on the place as well um, yeah. and that's not acceptable you know Is there a possibility Tracy has been on to the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM to ask a question Portaloos could we set them up say from Friday to Monday and, and have people maintain them like happens for example at Live at the Marquee Yeah but yes. well, we've asked for that and I've also asked for what I saw work very well in Wexford is they hire litter patrollers, so they're students, and they'd hire them for about 10 hours or less a week to go around for an hour or two in the mornings to pick up litter from the beach. So I have asked for that as well um, until we kind of get a handle on this and the public take responsibility. Yeah. I take the point that you make about if a place is clean, you make a greater effort, Marcia. And I'm reminded of the last time I was in Alcudia in Spain and where we were staying was literally a 50-yard stroll to the beach. And in the evening time, people took their stuff away. And I used to notice when I'd be up for an early morning walk, like I could be up at half six walking on the beach, there the council were out and the place would be like, it was like a like it was made, like it was laid out fresh of a morning. And that gave the impression, people took their stuff away because they didn't see stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a, huge, there's a huge association between cleanliness and one's behaviour. And, and again, I, I don't think the chief executive is incorrect. And the communication strategy will launch today about taking your litter home. And I think that's a good thing to do because it's the right thing to do. But the key question is, will it change behaviour? Yeah. And and those of us like Audrey and myself who pick on the streets every other day voluntarily will probably say no. Mm. Here's another one saying, are you for real? Anytime I go to Italy or Spain, they always have an ample provision of bins. Not your, and that caller is completely right because we don't, they don't use, and again, I'm comparing my you know trips to Spain, say, or wherever. You don't see the small little bin, the small traditional bin. You'll see a damn big crater of a skip a, a big, huge wheelie bin, a council-sized wheelie bin across the street, and they just chuck everything into it. People, there's a better provision of bins overseas, I think. Yeah, I think there is, but also, um, I think that oh, in I know in France and maybe Spain might be the same, but included in their property tax, their bins are included, so there's no household domestic rubbish being dumped. 
And that's another issue here. Yeah. You know, if somebody sees a bin, all of a sudden you see domestic um, black bags yes. beside the bin. Yes. I mean, that's a huge problem. Yes, yes. I see they've had to, for example, cover some of the bins, put a mesh inside so that you can only put in and out one item at a time because people were coming down with, 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 with the dirt from the bins. They were, and the graveyard in Crosshaven, I got a, a, a call this morning that people are dumping their domestic waste inside in the graveyard. There's a big green bin in there, and that's what's happening. Yeah. Marsh, you, you were trying to get in there. Yeah, oh, sorry, what, I, sorry Audrey, I, what I was going to say was that typically, and we'll all be familiar with them, Cork County Council divides the small bins Audrey's talking about, with a little hand hole. And the aim of that is to prevent domestic dumping, because the council have genuinely found that those small bins were being filled by, you know, those small white plastic bags that one would generate in one's kitchen overnight and they'd be put into the public bin outside. Um, and that has been an ongoing significant issue. But the trouble is that when one has those little hand-hold bins, you can't put pizza boxes in or you can't put your Chinese waste in. And so those are left lying around or they're left blocking the hole as some, you know, youngster attempts to put it in after a night, mm. um, you know, after their takeaway, which they were trying to do the right thing, but yeah. the bin wasn't taken. Is there, is there something to be said for, particularly at peak times, like in the, in what we're coming into now or maybe further down the road on the June weekend, in places like, and I mentioned them earlier, Audrey Camden and Graball and... Fennels Bay and Church Bay and Fountainstown and Myrtleville and they're down passage down that little harbour there in passage where people love to walk, whatever. Is there a case to be made for bringing those, for want of a better expression, industrial sized wheelie bins and just letting them there for the weekend? Oh, I'd say you're asking for trouble there. Yeah. Why? Because like because. you just mentioned, the domestic, you know, when they say we removed ours from Church Bay about 10 years ago because, um, you know, in the evening time, people would be leaving their domestic black but, bags. But, but, but in other countries, not cutting a crash there, but in other countries, the, the bins are sufficiently big that you don't need to worry about that. Yeah, unless um, our government comes up with a plan that every household pays for domestic waste. Um, that's the only way I can see it working. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with Audrey. Um, Dunleary Rathdown, which would have a significant population of people who want to spend time beside the sea, they use compactor bins. Um, there are various brands, but the most one that we would talk about most often in council would be Big Belly Solar, solar-powered compactor bins. So they look bigger than the small bins we have in the centre of the town, but critically, they have a compactor inside in them, which is operated by solar power, and they connect by computer back to the equivalent of our area office, so that when they're full, the message goes out to the area office. Um, they work well because they can deal with the influx of the kind of weekend that we may anticipate this weekend. And they can deal with that additional pressure. They will work well at beaches because on a fine day, the pattern of filling a bin will be irregularly high, whereas on a cool day, the pattern of filling will be irregularly low. Mm. So they work really well. They avoid that overflow and they help to to optimise the resources that the council has because they mm. find they're going out empty only when they're full. Something like that would make a significant difference. And look, Audrey, I, we've, many of us have spoken about this kind of approach that we see used in other local authorities, even in Ireland. Mm. Um, and to date, the council has not shown enthusiasm to try it. Can I ask you both finally to address something that I personally think is this should be punishable with very large fines. Again, if we get nice weather at the weekend, people will buy, and they're great to have, these little portable barbecues that you get them in Super Value or anywhere else and you take them down to the beach and you have your couple of sausages and it's lovely and it's grand. And then what they do, they bury them under, uh, under a half inch of sand and they walk away. I have seen dogs 
very, very seriously injured. They get a funny smell and they go digging and this thing burns the legs off them, burns the paws off them. I've seen children. Like, this, this thing, that, that should be a serious offence. I I kind of agree with you. Um, I, I, I would hate to take away those portable barbecues for people to be enjoying themselves, but I 100% agree with what you're saying. Um, and they're left there. So how does one dispose of it when it's still hot? Mm. Um, you, get a bucket of, you get a bucket of water from the sea and you pour it into it until it's out and you let it cool down and then you put it into the, into the bag you have in the car and take it home. But what we're finding, especially in the back beach and Fountainstown, you know, where there'd be camping and parties and mm. stuff, um, they'd be left there. You probably, if you went this morning, you'd probably see some there. Yes, I'm sure. Because um, in Church Bay ourselves, we were thinking of putting um, a dedicated barbecue spot to stop this. But then we thought that would only encourage... It's so I, I don't know what to yeah. tell you on it. Yeah, no, it's 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 a difficult issue, you know, and people have varying views on it. Thank you both, Councillor Marcia Dalton uh, from Carrie Glynn, uh, Independent uh, Councillor, and Councillor Audrey Buckley, Finnfall Councillor from Crosshaven. We're speaking in the wake of a discussion at Cork County Council, reading from the Examiner, where Sean O'Riordan, God, Sean O'Riordan is attending the council at sessions, even short pants. But he, he there was a, a major discussion there yesterday, started by the Green Party's Liam. Wade. Kevin Murphy took part. The two aforementioned ladies there, uh, Independent Councillor Denny Collins, and then Chief Executive Tim Lucy. And I have to say, I'm 100% with Chief Executive Tim Lucy. We have um, requested uh, to speak with him if he's available to us this morning. Take your stuff home. Take your stuff home. Put a bag in the car if you're going in the car. Put a bag in the car. Put the stuff in the bag. Take the damn thing home and put it into your own bin. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, we love to get your WhatsApp voice notes. If it's too long to put it in a text and you don't have time to take a call, you can always pop it into a voice note. That's what Ashling did, contacting us from Wilton. Hi PJ, we were in Onahinch all day Sunday. We went into Clan to get fish and chips, walked around the town and from the public toilets. They were locked. So if they want you to eat outside and socialise outside, then they need to put toilets outside. Anyway, Ashling and Wilton. Yeah, thank you, Ashling. And if you want to do that, just pop a WhatsApp to us at 083 396 Drop in your voice note. That's a lot there in the psychology of littering that came up in the conversation with councillors Dalton and Buckley. The psychology of littering. That if you see the place is already littered, you may be more inclined to litter yourself. If you see the place is spick and span, then you're more inclined to act accordingly yourself. Fascinating. I'd love to know, is there any such a thing as a person who is an expert in the psychology of littering? Because I'd love to take that one a little bit 
a little bit further. We are hoping, if we can, to speak with Tim Lucy, uh, the uh, we used to call him the county manager. Now he's the county chief executive. Uh, lots of your comments coming in as well. PJ, are you for real? Anytime I got to Italy or Spain, they always have ample provision of bins. Am I to turn around to people in these countries and say, sorry, we're a bit useless here. We can't be bothered being that civilised. One thing you notice about these countries too is their beauty spots are well pleased and well attended by rangers and toilet attendants and litter pickers. You're absolutely correct, Goller. Our crowd are just amateurs. All they're good for is making statements on the newspaper. Don't bother asking them to actually work. Another call. I am one of the people who brings the litter home, but the businesses in these areas are making money from the people coming in. It's up to them to put pressure on the authorities to put in the facilities or to organise it themselves as well. If you have five people in a car, I can tell you, because I do it, you can generate a fair amount of rubbish if you're spending money in the area buying sandwiches and drinks, maybe a newspaper, so on. It's not enough to say people should just bring it away. That is what most people are doing. It's a poor attitude to the businesses that are bringing prosperity to the area by the businesses and by the local authority and other countries they value their customers. Yeah, I've done the same thing with it. With it. You put the black bag in the boot of the car. Yes, the businesses should probably provide their own bins. The council should probably provide their own bins and more of them and empty them more frequently and all of that. The toilets should also be open and clean and staffed with more parking attendants. But when we don't have an ideal situation, we can contribute to making it better for us. Litter, you bring it, you take it, says Finbar. Bring your rubbish home, says Maeve. But also chippers and vans and shops and coffee shops should provide a bin for purchases made at their business. Absolutely, Maeve. Absolutely. Uh, there should be. If you're opening a, a chipper wagon or a coffee stall or whatever, you should have a bin with a large bin bag, be it a wheelie bin, whatever, outside for your customers to put their stuff in. You absolutely should. John said it's the council's job to clean the rubbish. That's what you pay taxes for. If he takes away the bins, will the taxes go down? Oh, sweet Lord. It's always somebody else's job, isn't it, John? 1850-715-996. A survey... Uh, was done among... Wait till I get the number here now. It was among 1,002 members of the VFI, publicans, in other words. And they said that 91% of them wanted to use the Northern Ireland strategy for reopening. Uh, The pubs in Northern Ireland are going to gradually reopen over the next few weeks. And there was 87% support among VFI members, a 1,000 of them, for reopening outdoors on May 28th, followed by indoor training on the eight, trading rather on the 18th of June, and the substantial meal provision should be done away with. Michael O'Donovan from the chair of Cork VFI. Michael, good morning. Good morning, PJ. That's a, How big, are you? That's a big survey. Who compiled it? Uh, it was our, our in head office. Our head office did it through our communications director and using SurveyMonkey, sending it out to all our members. Right, right. Now, you can imagine that they all say they want to open, to be fair. Well, yes, you, you, look, if, uh, you would imagine that uh, it would be a very high proportion, uh, but to get a thousand responses was probably higher than our expectation, to be quite honest. Now, the situation in the north is that from the 30th of April, which is this Friday, this Friday yes. they can open outdoors, and then three weeks after they can resume indoor, indoor business. See, the thing with that there, Michael, is they are racing ahead of us in terms of vaccinations. So they will be able to do it. If we did that, it would be just reckless. 
Yeah, well, what we're saying, PJ, is that, look, we won't be opening in tandem with them. We're taking it uh, from Stephen Donnelly. As he said, we are uh, approximately a month behind the North. So what we're saying is when they open indoor in a month's time, i.e. around the 28th of May, that we would then hopefully open outdoors and look uh, what we've been told by government and by, um, I suppose, NEFIT through the Chief Medical Officer over the last number of weeks and the Acting Chief Medical Officer is that it's going to be outdoor first. So all we're asking for is that when the North goes indoors that we uh, can go outdoors. And look, we've heard it from... Um, our colleagues, especially in the, in the border counties, uh, I was talking to a man even last night that has a function room onto his bar, uh, weddings that were booked in with him for, that had been moved three times last year that were now booked in for June and July, even into August, are now booking across, as he said, 18 miles up the road from him, they're across the border and they're now moving the business across the border. So, you know, it'll have a, it, it will have a serious but effect. But would he be able to take those functions over the border? Um, will they be able to take them? Well, look, they must. I, I actually don't know what the uh, requirement mm. for weddings are across the border. Um, but look, if the business is moving across the border, there must be some uh, way that they are ahead of us to say that mm. th- that business is moving across the border. The substantial meal provision, that was one of the most controversial things last summer. And I spoke to you about it. There, there is an amount of science behind sitting down to eat while you're having a drink. There's an amount of science there. And we spoke with that in detail. I don't plan to revisit it. But the survey says that 80-odd percent of your members want it done away with. Yeah, it was 92% believe that the substantial meal provision should be abolished. Um, Look, we've seen in the UK, which had a similar... A requirement to us for a period last year. They, they, it was challenged in the court in the UK, um, uh, and then it was um, the government have seceded to that. That they, ha- they now do not have a, f- a food requirement in the UK. So we're asking that would be similar um, for us here. Mm. We know that when pubs opened before Christmas, and in that. After Christmas, we don't need to revisit what happened in January. Do, do, do you, and that we've surely learned our lesson about opening too quickly and too early. Yeah. We're just not ready yet. Yeah, look, PJ, that's why we're saying outdoors at the moment, because everybody's saying outdoors is safer. So that you use the ER bit. That is the safer uh, bit. So, look, that's what we're asking for, open outdoors. And all we're asking for this Thursday is, is a roadmap of what's going to happen into June and July. We appreciate they can't say exactly on the 18th of June you're going to open indoors, uh, like what we're asking for. But, look, if they can give us a metric that they can work on, that we mm-hmm. can work towards, and all we're asking is for initially to be left open outdoors, uh, yes, we know that there's going to be social distancing requirements, so they'll put in place the regulations, the rules, basically, that we have to follow. And then uh, publicans, restaurants, hotels implement those uh, those regulations, and we open up, get people back to work. You were talking there a while ago uh, with the councillors about the requirement for toilets. You know, like as, as one of the councillors says, when 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 private businesses are open, especially in tourist hotspots, you know, you, you can go anywhere around this beautiful county and people come in, use the toilets. Look, there might be a queuing system. We might have to follow regulations. Mm. But, like, it solves some of those problems when we open our, our establishments. Mial Martin said on the Week in Politics at the weekend that he wants, when everything gets to open, 
that it doesn't get to close again. So is it worth waiting that little bit longer to make sure, Michael, that when you open, you stay open? Yeah, look, TJ, that's why we're saying outdoors first. And look, if, if we have to wait a little longer to open indoors, be it. But yes, look, we fully agree with what uh, the Taoiseach is saying. We can't afford to, to open and close again because like people at the moment are, are teetering on the brink. And look, we, we know from our members, cash now is gone at this stage. We're, we're 14, 15 months into the pandemic for a lot of them being closed most of the time. So they, they've burned through whatever savings they have. Debt is mounting. So they couldn't take stocking the bar, getting the bars ready, bringing back the staff, and if we had to close again. So, look, if we can open outdoors, see how it goes. Um, please God, it w- the, 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 the RA, the virus numbers, yeah. the hospital admissions... The vaccinated should go. And so are you, are you saying here, Michael, I suppose one Corkman to another, are, are you asking Michal Martin on Thursday evening, I think it's Thursday evening when he's supposed to speak again, that, look, we'd like at least... A date. Yeah, look, we, absolutely. We'd, we'd like a date. And look, we appreciate they, what we're really asking is for a roadmap, PJ, that we'll know what's going to happen, be it the end of May, June, July. And like, we appreciate things might change, but at least if we have a roadmap to go forward, see what metrics are used to work out what we can do, when we can do it, at least then we're prepared. And like, we can't just walk into our pubs a restaurant or can't walk into his restaurant, turn on the lights and open the front door. Mm. Like, we need the breweries to go back brew, uh, brewing. We need the distribution of that. We need to bring back our own staff. We need to get them trained. They'll be returned. Like, to like take, your own, take your own premises, right? Yes. Um, if, if, like, how, from where you are now, and I assume there's not a soap in the pipes or anything, but from where you are now to actually be able to open, even if it was with a couple of stools outside the door, how long would that take you? You'd be talking minimum 10 days, PJ, because like, you'd have to go in deep clean. You'd have to bring back staff. They, they then have to go and do return-to-work protocols. I presume they'll have to do them. We don't have regulations at the moment. This is what we had to do, say, when we opened last September. Um, and then you'd have to go and get your stock in. You'd have to get in your, your, your say, your Heineken, Diageo, Bulmers, Molson Coors, technical guys, they'd have to uh, blow through the lines. Lines all have to be cleaned, of course. Yeah. yeah, so they all have to be cleaned. Then you have to get in your product, hook it up. Your cold rooms have to be turned on for 48 hours in many instances before you can put in product yeah. into them. Um, ice machines, everything has to be cleaned, yeah. uh, re-sanitised. Even the coolers have to be blown out. So, And there's no point in starting that if you don't know when you're going to be able to open. So that's what you're looking for on Thursday, I think, that uh, Michal Martin would at least give the sector an indication of when they might start to be open in some shape or form outside at first and then inside. Michael Donovan, Chair of the VFI in Cork. Thank you, Michael. In the north, that is true, where they are way ahead of us. They're way ahead of us on vaccination. They have nearly 50%, more than 50% of the adult population in the north have had its first dose now. So pubs up there can open outdoors from this coming Friday. And then three weeks later, they can go indoors because within another month, pretty much everyone who wants one in the north will have had at least their first dose of a vaccine. Update, traffic update. Thanks to Ross Brown for this. On the road between Cork and Carrick Tool, just before the Glownton Junction, is a massive sheet of MDF in the middle of the road. It's the middle of the one lane that's open. That's probably fallen off the back of a lorry. Literally speaking, 
fallen off the back of a lorry or something. Some breaking political news. Owen Murphy, the former Minister for Housing, Planning and Local Government. He was a Dublin-based South Fine Gael TD. He is resigning from the Doyle with immediate effect to pursue a new career in international cooperation, human rights and diplomacy. Generally, the response to Michael O'Donovan seems to be, Michael, you can open when Neffet says you can open, and not a day before. And you know what? It's very hard to disagree with that. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. On Owen Murphy, John Quick out of the traps. Can I say goodbye to the worst housing minister we ever had and express my regrets to the international human rights and development community who are just about to take a, a heavy blow? 185715996. When you go through somebody's Instagram in preparation for having them on the show, there's nearly always something that jumps out from it. And Eric Abrakan, there's no exception in your case. I literally love what you've done to the little caravan, but but we will get to that in a while. You had to move home. You're one of the famous Bracken Bakery family, aren't you? That is correct. So my parents, um, Declan and Fanola Bracken, own Brackens on Matter Road. So yeah. a nice plug there for the bakery. <laughs> yeah, and, and well worth it too. But you were working in Dublin and you moved back to Cork. Why did you move back? Um, well, I guess like so many other people, the lockdown was announced. I'm living in a small, tiny apartment in actually on Cork Street in Dublin. Um, for the past six years and it just didn't appeal to me living with you know a stranger away from my family no space no fresh air you know I suppose one of the benefits of city living is that spontaneity getting to go here and there meet your friends and that was all you know whipped away from us without any notice so literally I I remember it well I was in the office and Leo was making his announcement and I booked a train that day and you just I'm out of here I'm going home yeah, headed home to my mommy and daddy. And um, yeah, so I've been here since. And look, it started out thinking, oh, look, I'm going to be here for three weeks. And then it was three months. And a year passed by suddenly. And now it's kind of looking like mm. I don't really want to go back. And your um, line of work is something that you can do easily from wherever you are. Is that right? Yeah, well, so I, I was working up in, until March with um, like a large multinational PR firm. So I was very lucky to be able to work with them flexibly from home. Um, like, don't get me wrong, they're working from home in that situation, the constant Zoom calls, etc. It was it was very intense. So I think you know, partly this break in the pattern and moving home from uh, home from Dublin, and that intensity kind of just led me to to really rethink things and rethink how I wanted to live my life. And I like I honestly think if COVID hadn't come along like don't get me wrong there has been you know personal and familial and community losses but on a very small individual level like there has been benefits to my own life so like I'm coming from you know literally that cycle that rat race of commute to work commute back yeah, home to yeah. sleep and looking at your gram right mm-hmm. there's a clear love of the outdoors there which yeah. in Cork Street in Dublin you're <laughs> <laughs> not much of that around very different. We there was a park, but I think it was the first park, newly built park in Dublin in 125 years. So it was there in limited spaces. Um, 
is completely correct. You know, absolutely. Like, I grew up here and never for a minute did I take it for granted when I was growing up. But being in Dublin, I got home, like, I think some years I got got home maybe four or five time, times a year. Mm. And it was a fleeting up and down 24 hours probably trip. And then I was back again to that, you know, repetitive, constant cycle of and home, going home to is around and, Glenville, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. In Glenville, and we're just so lucky to have so much space around yeah. us. And, you know, I think just coming from the city, I didn't re- even realise how stressed I was until yeah. I came home and was just able to, you know, fully embrace, just be able to, like, get out the door, out into the fields, into the woods, yeah. like, within seconds. Um, it's just, it was... You know, a really radical change in my life. Now, your your plans have also been up scuttled a little bit, and that you were due to go to. And looking again, looking at your Instagram, my God, girl, you can you can turn yourself into angles and knots and twist yourself <laughs> in ways that I, I'm sure some of it. I wonder, have you got rubber instead of a backbone? But you were supposed <laughs> to go to Thailand to study yoga. Mm-hmm. That had to change. Yeah, so I've I've been studying yoga, practicing yoga for the, since 2013, and you know, most of my friends are yoga teachers. I'm completely embedded in that community, but. I was finally getting around to taking a month off work. I was going to Koh Samui in Thailand to do my training. And obviously that was last April. That couldn't happen. So obviously for the past year, I've been, you know, just doing my own practice and kind of waiting to see if I could get over. And eventually I just made the decision, look, I'm just going to go ahead, do it online. And I think, you know, I've... um, it, it's just been brilliant to be able to do that. So I hope to to be able to um, qualify now towards the end of May and start teaching. But good, yeah. yeah so, so part of that, as I said, I've I've left my job in March and I'm working freelance as a PR consultant, doing copywriting, writing, a bit of everything. So I'm mm. doing my yoga teacher training, um, just completely kind of re- re-evaluated my life. This is, some, this is some change of lifestyle, isn't it, Erica? Mm-hmm. Some oh, change of lifestyle. Like this. And it, this is why your your Instagram is called Embracing the Lockdown, because it, it was a total life change. Not to mind that, you've you, you got a little niece in the middle of it all, too. I do. So, like, that for me, like, if I had to pick one benefit of the past year, it has been... Um, I'm sorry, I'm actually kind of getting a little emotional even talking about her. Um... So I think just completely immersing myself in that family life has been just such a rare and brilliant opportunity. And like Alice, she's 18 months now and like I wouldn't have even known her. Like I I really would have seen her via FaceTime and, you know, obviously all the pictures via WhatsApp, etc. But she is the light of my life and... Um, You're a godmother <laughs> as well, yeah? I didn't, I didn't um, expect to get emotional. That's okay. Um, that's, that's completely allowed. It's lovely, um, actually. Yeah, so that's been that's been absolutely just. It's made it all worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. Now, talk to me a little, little bit about the caravan. <laughs> I mean, what yeah, you've done caravan. with it, like it's brilliant. <laughs> it does it face into the rising sun? Like it's gorgeous. It does. So basically, we always had in mind. Look, we have a little cabin. So we have a garden, and then just there's a little woodland beyond our garden. We always kind of had in mind, you know. a our imagination brought us to like a little cabin in the woods and I think my parents, as I said, Tanana and Declan, they are the most productive, ambitious, creative people I know and when they're not slaving away in the bakery, they are at home in the garden, pulling and dragging, like there's no stop in them and they just came home one day and said, look, we're going to get a caravan, do it up, put it down there and like will it be fixed in place but 
we'd build, you know, a little decking around it and we'd put an outdoor toilet, etc. So when they came home with the caravan, it was like something like, out of father's head, let's be straight about oh it. Oh my goodness, like it's it was that caravan that we all stayed in um over the years. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I was enjoying that chat with uh, Eric Bracken. A bit uh, disappointed that the news got in the way. Sorry, Vic. But, yeah, Andrew wants to know, why didn't I ask her about having her own personal chauffeur in the form of her legendary uncle, Jordan? Ah, listen, we all know Jordan Bracken. I mean, if you're, you've not lived unless Jordan Bracken's driven you around. He even drove me around once. <laughs> Several Lord Mayor, a few more people like that. <laughs> yeah, that's... Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, mess her, yeah. 1850-715-996. Just looking at those snooker quarterfinals this afternoon. The morning ones are would play out as they do, but Selby, Selby against Williams and Trump against Murphy. You can almost bet your bottom dollar your winner's going to come out of one of those two. And they've got, is it nine or ten? Nine, I think. World titles between them. Good Lord, the whole lot. That'll be, I, that's just my afternoon entertainment sorted out. Good morning, 1850-715-996. To much more serious matters, uh, much, much, much more serious matters, probably the biggest or one of the biggest global news stories uh, in the world at the moment and with a very strong Cork connection, which we've spent the last day or two uh, trying to work up a connection. Have a listen to this. The narrow street outside the Sikh temple in East Delhi is crowded with vehicles full of sick and dying people, desperate people gasping for air, for oxygen that the hospitals can't provide. Many tell us they've been turned away by several hospitals before reaching here. No one seems able to help these people and some just don't make it in time. This would be shocking on its own, but this tragedy is being multiplied over and over. Indians are being abandoned in the teeth of a deadly disease. The EU, UK and America are amongst the countries to offer help, but the people have yet to see it. So they're taking it where they can, and this Sikh temple's providing it, sourcing oxygen themselves. People are dying on, on seats. I don't know what the government is doing. But then we can do it. The why can government not doing? India's grim statistics keep on rising, with the positivity rate soaring. In Calcutta at the moment, every second person being tested is positive. India's being engulfed by this virus, and its people are utterly helpless. That's Alex Crawford reporting on CNBC News. BBC website has some just, just, just gut-wrenching footage. Monday, India recorded a new global high for dairy, daily coronavirus cases. 352,991, 353,000 cases in a day. They've had a million cases in three days. They're running out of oxygen. They're running out of hotel beds. They're running out of drugs. They are in just such a desperate, desperate situation. And Alex's report there mentioned Calcutta and, of course, a very strong connection between 
Cork and Calcutta and I hope I can go now to both sides of that connection. Maureen Forrest, founder of the Hope Foundation. Good morning, Maureen. Good morning, good morning. And in Calcutta, Gora Das is your logistics manager for the Hope Foundation. Gora, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Mm-hmm. I'll good speak. Afternoon, and Gora, hi Gora. I'll speak with you first, Gora. What is the situation on the ground? Calcutta is one of the most populous places in the world, density of population. What is it like on the ground out there now? It's really horrific. All the all the hospitals beds are full. In fact, some of the government hospitals have to keep patients outside the ward on the parking lots and on the lobby, giving them oxygen support while the patients are being on the stretcher. I've seen people like even carrying patients in scooter or rickshaws due to lack of ambulance. And the hospitals are full, are they? Yeah, all the government hospitals are full and, and the private hospitals and the charitable hospitals are full too. And how is it affecting your work with the poorest people in Calcutta? See, this is the poorest, uh, poorest people, poor people are the kind of collateral victims of this problem. It's, although we, uh, the government yet to announce a complete lockdown, but uh, things are closing down as people are not coming out home. And so, pe- uh, so those poor people and the daily wage are, uh, are leaving their livelihoods. So soon, I'm afraid, like last year, we can see people starving on the street. Oh, my God. It's, it doesn't bear thinking, but I'll, st- I'll come back to you, Agora. Maureen, you, are of course, are, are here at home in Cork at the moment. Part of you would love to be there helping out, would it? my gosh, uh, yes, yes, definitely. I haven't been there since uh, the week of lockdown where I was supposed to have gone to Calcutta way back then. So, but you know, um, I'm not somebody that's going to sit around and see all my colleagues suffering. We are just, what we can do here really is to get the resources to enable them to go out and source the oxygen, the cardiac monitors, the air, the, the, uh, all the machines and the medical kits and masks and gloves that they need. At least we can do that. We can send them the resources from here. And again, that's coming in. Oh, again, just from the the, 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 the outpouring of generosity from the people of Ireland. Uh, we have a small hospital, but uh, the care they're giving the patients there, and our hospital really is for the poorest of the poor and the forgotten people. And these people are being cared for by our wonderful team there. They're working 12 hours a day. They're totally understaffed. All their holidays have been cancelled. They have only 44 medical staff to over 40, over uh, almost uh, 40, over 40 patients. So you can imagine that the stress and the pressures that they are under. And it's the one time, I think, when they possibly need us so much on the ground that we cannot be with them. I'll, I'll come back to what people can might be able to do in a minute, yes. Maureen. But Gora, come back to you. Uh, that small hospital of which Maureen speaks, is that completely full and overrun at the moment? Yeah, at present it's completely full. We have 40 beds specifically for the COVID patients, all are full. Yes, and I'm sure you have as many trying to get in. 
And talk to me about how quickly, Gora, it spreads because all the experts will tell you that the density of population in a place like Calcutta and particularly the poorest areas of Calcutta, that is the kind of atmosphere that this virus... As you can imagine, like, uh, our population is really huge. Like, Calcutta would be size-wise, maybe the same size as Dublin, but got almost three times the population of the whole of Ireland. And most of the slums and most of the places are very densely populated. Right now, uh, the positivity rate out here is something around anything between 30 to 50 percent. And yeah. I'm, I'm afraid that I still doubt if we have enough tests done at this moment. Yes. Talking to one of the people that we corresponded on the program recently, uh, Dr. John Campbell in the UK, he's been making that point that the numbers we are getting, like yesterday, 353,000. That's probably half at best of the real number. Or probably even more than, uh, less than half because if I see as per, the, uh, as per the total number of deaths, as per the official portals, uh, something around, to, as of last 24 hours, is something around 2,800. But if you see the long queues outside the crematorium and burial ground, tells you a different story. Yes, and people, one very distressing aspect of the BBC videos I was watching this morning, people are dying in the queue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are dying in the queue, people are dying outside the hospital, and there's another big number which are not included are the people who are dying at the home. And there are people who are dying at home who are on home quarantine, but who are positive, but were not actually counted for. And yes. Those people at time, as said, any COVID, their bodies, we cannot cremate it on, the families cannot cremate on their own. They have to involve the authorities. And at time, it's taking seven, eight hours for the help to come. And yes. so the, because and it is a tradition, is it not? It, it, it is a tradition, very much, is it not, in the culture that the body is burnt on a funeral pyre and it's done... It's done quickly. And I saw another video yeah, the other night. They are building funeral pyres in hospital car parks. Yes, they are, like. And see, on ideally, uh, uh, their bodies should be cremated within 24 hours. But yeah. it's taking way much longer than that. And some of the places, even the bodies are lying in the mall for more than three days because of the late coming of the COVID results. Yes. Yes, and it, it's just, it's, it's heart-wrenching to watch. Maureen, people will be listening here to us this morning and they know of your work over many, many years. How can the people of Cork, right now, this moment, how can they help Gora and your team in India? By giving donations, uh, it, that's all we can do. And to make sure that the urgency of sending the money immediately over to our team there where they can purchase. They can still get oxygen. They can still, it's running low, but with the intervention of the world and help in huge um, amounts of oxygen coming in from all over the world is going to ensure that the demand, you know, that there will be a better source 
of mm. oxygen. We have enough to keep us going for at least 10 days. Okay. Hopefully in that 10 days. One of the biggest nightmares in all the hospitals and talking to Samarin and when they call me, they are so distressed that they would run out of oxygen and have to have the people watch watch, watch them die in, 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 in such a terrible way. You know? My God, that, that kid that doesn't bear thinking about. There yeah. are machines, and I think our government is sending them, there are machines that literally take and concentrate the oxygen from the ordinary air around us. Do, yes. do you have access to those? Well, we don't have access to, do, to those as yet, and I think these are relatively newly coming on stream. We are dependent on the old sources, but they have uh, uh, banned any of the oxygen being sent into any of the industrial uh, factories or whatever they were using them. So I think they're coming to grips, coming slowly. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, mm. but in the oxygen uh, demand. So we are very hopeful hopeful that we are okay for oxygen at the moment. We will continue to buy it, as much of it as we can afford to buy. And we we have now converted our 215-bedded wards. We are converting them. One has been converted. And to do that, we have to get BiPAP machines, which are uh, the machine you use before you put on invasive ventilation. We have to get ventilators and we also have to get, you know, various other capital. We have to have some capital investment to make sure that we can run this in uh, a proper way. Because at least with your experience out there, uh, Maureen, you and your team, if you get the equipment and you get the funding, you can do the, you can do the work on the ground. Immediately, we are saving lives as we speak. And, you know, people might say it's a small, a small operation. It's not. It's not. We will save lives every day. And even for, to, to, to help to save one life is just so important. I don't think, I think we think of it ourselves as well. When the last wave we got and when we saw our hospitals filling up again and people uh, going on machines, but the dignity of the way we were able to deal with it, no dignity, no, nothing is left to those poor people in death as well. You've seen them, PJ, you've seen the way the bodies are being burned in public places. No. It's, 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 it, it's heartbreaking. My heart is broken. Oh, the, videos, the videos on the BBC are so distressing, Maureen. They're so, so distressing. And, so. and having been to India myself and, and, and seen the incredible density of humanity, I cannot bear to think about it. No. And, and the strangest thing, I suppose, really, we expected a tsunami of this sort, not as bad as this, way back when the first wave, but that never came. And for some weird reason, people just got very complacent and didn't start stop wearing the mas- masks and went to huge religious festivals and um, they had the huge uh, political rallies. And of course now it's so virulent because the load is so, 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 yeah. so high. So... You know, our hearts are really are just going out to them, really. And, you know, they're, they're, they're exhausted. They're absolutely yeah. exhausted. And, and we will do anything here. And I'm sure the people who have been such wonderful, loyal supporters to oh, hope, yeah. and so many thousands have actually been over to Canada. People who've travelled over with you, this, yeah. will be, this will be hurting their hearts, Maureen. Yeah. It will yeah. be, do you know? Yeah. I mean, I, as I said, they will be, it, their hearts will be hurting for the places yeah. they have been and the people that they have seen. Gora... Th- you, you and the team on the ground, are you guys vaccinated? I know there is a vaccination program, but it's quite small. Well, it is going on so far, uh, 
so far like more than 145 million people had been vaccinated uh, whereas daily around 3 and 1/2 million people but considering the vast population of the country this is in this case it might take more than a year to vaccinate everyone yes. have you I been vaccinated yourself and have thankfully to... i got my first astrazeneca jab and waiting for the second one that we should be there after tomorrow very good very and the staff in the hospitals are they looked at are they are, are... They, they all looked after and they all in what well, that is well that is good to hear that is so good that must be a great relief to you Maureen because these people are your friends and not just your oh, colleagues they're my friends and colleagues and then we had the terrible loss of our director our beautiful wonderful Gita she was only 50 years of age she died of covid uh, in last october so we have really been hit by it very badly you know yeah uh, and i mean she was our visionary our wonderful wonderful director in calcutta and as such 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 a terrible loss both to me personally as a friend and, yes. and a colleague to all the, all to everybody else so so it's been it's been very very difficult but this now on top of it is really hurting mm, i know i can hear it in your voice if you could step on a plane now yes <laughs> but i haven't got my second jab i'm getting my second jab shortly and as soon as i have that but i will i i i think i i need to be a little vigilant though and 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 wise but i will take I, take your time mind your own health but i know i know that i know that the minute you can be there you'll be there yeah because i've been to rwanda and all these places before but isn't it strange there is something so much more frightening i think about the breath you know it's the one thing oh, that yeah. Dangerous. You know, I've held little children that were starving, but when they got food, they came back, but without oxygen, without air, you know yes. more. Yes. And that's what's happening. And Maureen, if anybody wants to help with donations, they can go to the Hope Foundation website. Gora, please take care of yourself and your team, and keep doing the wonderful work that you are doing. Thank you. Bia, can I take the opportunity to thank all our friends who are listening? for supporting us and being standing by us all the time i myself was in ireland i know how generous people are uh in hospital thanks for that okay all right more than welcome listen gora das logistical manager in calcutta for the hope foundation and maureen forest founder of the hope foundation thank you both uh for joining us it's it's just lads it's we 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 think we had it bad and we did in fairness we did have it bad in the early part of this year but my god it's 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 just it's beyond words actually and particularly if you have been there and there are dozens and dozens of people listening who either have been there themselves as volunteers or their kids have been there as volunteers the stories they bring home and i'm thinking for example of my friend bibi baskin who spent 15 or more years in in india in and i've been there twice for short periods India gets into your heart it gets into your mind visiting India changes you there's something about going there it changes you as a human being and when you see it and when you see what's happening now your heart hurts 1857 15 715 996 can we just talk 
Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Hey, whether it's Pink, Britney, Dermot Kennedy, or the Coronas you're after, I got you covered to help you through Tuesday afternoon at work, in the car, out and about. I'm providing the soundtrack from 12 on Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. It, it almost seems bad taste to go back to something as trivial as pubs um, after listening to that. That's 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 how things roll. Mary was listening to Michael O'Donovan and what Michael was saying, Michael from the VFI was saying, is they want when Micheál Martin stands up Thursday, we think, or else Friday, to tell us where we are going next. They want... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Him to outline for them where they are going. Looking at the north, north pubs will open outdoors this weekend and then indoors in three weekends' time, all going well. The binners want something similar for themselves once it outlined this weekend. The general feeling around seems to be, well, when Neffet says it's okay and not before. Would you agree with that, Mary? Good morning. Um, I would, and I also disagree strongly as well with the fact that I think um, the lobbying by the Vintners groups are, I suppose, not undermining the work of Neffet, but making it more difficult for them to come to these decisions because they are, you know, they're not, like, if, if Neffet came out this morning and said, right, lads, you can open at Christmas, they would not be happy with that. They want reopening but they want it on their terms as you heard there they don't want to have to serve food I don't I didn't um, notice if he made any reference to the length of time people can spend he didn't know that in bars and things like that anyway like I, I suppose I think you know we've all had enough of the lobbying by the vintners throughout this pandemic we had it the last time they when they said that um 
you know, when they were open, you think that they were frontline workers, like that they were stopping house parties and, you know, that because they were behaving responsibly, which a lot of them weren't, um, they were actually preventing behaviour in the community or whatever that was contributing to the spread mm. of COVID. That is not the case. They have been closed. The numbers are going down. Every time they open, the numbers go up. They're the facts. Mm. They cannot dispute them. They would, well, they would, they would argue, and they have argued, even though it's a fairly shallow argument, that very few actual clusters were traced back to actual pubs, but the response oh, to that yes, is... Oh, yes, it's the behaviour yeah. that it generates. You know, house parties, people, A, don't organise house parties, or in, in most cases when they're stone-cold sober, and people, you know, if they're stone-cold sober and are invited to a house party in the middle of a, te- of a pandemic, don't go. Mm. You mentioned but coming back from the pub when you haven't yeah. been out... You know, you've only been out for an hour and a half, maybe, you know what I mean? You're just after a few drinks and you're feeling great. And somebody asks you, come on in for a few. That's where the part, like, they go hand in hand. That behaviour has happened despite COVID. Oh, listen, no no argument there. You know what I mean? That's, That's just, they're just facts and they need to face the fact that the pubs and the behaviour they generate in people contribute to the spread of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. The numbers, every single time they've been opened, the numbers go up. You mentioned lobbying. That's what groups like VFI do. The Restaurants Absol- Association is lobbying. Do, is they're lobbying. Getting, but they're getting too much airtime and too much credibility. And, you know what I mean? They're, you know, I, I'd be it's much the first time like, Michael's been on the programme since before Christmas, I think. I okay. Yeah. Well, okay, but we're hearing about it all the time about, you know what I mean? They're interviewing pub owners and the, and I do feel very sorry for them in, on that level you know what I mean they people have working in the industry Mary do you know there is but like kind of thing I think I'm and I am hoping that like I don't know do you remember that advertising campaign with the the kids getting up in the morning to go to the park and the parents are saying not I today do, I do, you know I do, and I do. yeah well there will be kids hopefully over the next few weeks who will make hurling training who will make GAA training because Mom and Daddy aren't in the pub on Friday night and Saturday night. And that might turn a corner for some of those children. And the longer that it goes on, the better. Okay. okay. So that would be my... You know, that's yeah. just... Would like, you, I think I think people have become... Assuming, assuming that we, we, we they, they must yeah. reopen at some point, I think, though, you would very much definitely say when Neffert say it and not before. And at the back end of, you know, I think... You know, there are a lot more things that contribute positively to people's lives and people's experience than going for a drink. Everybody likes to go out for a drink and socialise and meet their friends. And but hopefully, I think people as well have now developed other habits and other ways of meeting their friends and things like that. Have you any any um, affectionate were for the argument that there are many parts of the country now, and I'm just looking and I. I haven't done the figures for Cork this week, but I'll do them on Friday. Yeah. We had 14 new cases yesterday, but there were whole parts of Cork County now, I'm thinking of Bantry in particular, where COVID yeah. has effectively been eliminated. Like, could you not, or close to it, could you not chance opening the pubs in places around the country where COVID is 
and your trees. But you see, the, the thing is, you're going to run... Uh, the vintners the then, like, that's not... I didn't hear the vintners mention that. No, it's just a suggestion that has yeah, been made. Yeah, that would, that would be... You know what I mean? That makes sense. But, like, the thing is, you know, I suppose with the summer coming as well and people on holidays, would you have... Yes. If you uh, open a small pub down in West Kerry, everybody you'll have a bus load of dubs down top of Wants a house in that village and, you know, or even day trips or, you know, like these mystery tour things that they do in colleges or something like that. You'd have bus loads down for the evening, you know, but, and that would ruin it for everybody. So I don't know. Like, there isn't an easy answer. I think maybe that, maybe restrictions could be laxed locally by local arrangement and not maybe broadcast or something like that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like definitely in places where there is no COVID, it, it makes sense. But like this blanket reopening and the fact that, you know, the vintners seem to, you know, don't seem to get the fa- the correlation between cases and Behaviours issue. Behavior, behavior. Behaviours. Yeah, you're saying local. Lo- if if you do yeah. open the way we're, the way the way that suggestions being made, then maybe maybe locals only, which is practically impossible to police, unfortunately. Mary, thank you for your call uh, to the opinion line. Mary was listening to Michael Donovan of the VFI. They are looking for. Uh, they are looking for the Taoiseach on Thursday. I think it is when he speaks. Uh, to give some certainty, some level of a plan. Like in the north now, they know that on this Friday, any pub with outdoor facilities can open. And then in three weeks towards the middle or end of May, then the rest of them, they can open inside. But then again, you have to look at, and the vintners take this into account, the north is a month ahead of us, at least a month ahead of us in terms of vaccination. So... It is what it is. Does anybody disagree with Mary? Does anybody completely agree with Mary? I am in the camp that says you open when Neffet says you can open. I, I'm definitely there. I miss the pub. Oh, Jesus, I miss the pub. Um, very much. I, um, just just a point and a chat with my friends. I, I miss it so much. But when Neffet says, not before. 1850-715-996. The moon was spectacular last night. There were some, some fabulous pictures on people's Instagram this morning of a beautiful moon uh, high in the sky. The news is it's going to get better and those photographs are going to get better. It's a very particular phenomenon called a pink moon. A what? We'll find out next. 1850 Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Pillow Queens make their triumphant return to Cork in support of their critically acclaimed debut album In Waiting. The show takes place on Wednesday, December 8th at Cypress Avenue with tickets now on sale. 
Imelda May has announced Irish dates for her Made to Love tour in support of her highly anticipated new album, Eleven Past the Hour. Imelda returns to Cork in 2022 to play two shows at the Opera House on the 9th and 10th of May. Check out corkoperahouse.ie for ticket information. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streamed events by emailing us here at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on on Cork's 96FM. David Moore's at Astronomy Ireland. This is a special one, David, for the next couple of nights, isn't it? Good morning. Good morning. Yes, indeed. This is the closest full moon we'll get of the year. There's actually another one in May, but this one, for Ireland at least, is slightly closer. <laughs> it's only one part in a thousand, but that's a good excuse to watch this supermoon. And in mm. fact, we're asking people all over the country to send in any photographs they take, take Oh, to Astronomy Ireland magazine. We want to publish them uh, to show off to all of our readers. Yeah, I was putting the dogs out for their late night conversation with Mother Nature last night and I just stepped out onto the patio and I looked up and my God, what a beautiful, beautiful moon. It's huge. But you're telling me it's going to get appear even bigger tonight? Well, in fact, it'll be the same size tonight as seen from Ireland. Technically, the moon is closest to... the we, they, they always publish these figures, centre of the Earth to centre of the Moon. But the, the planet Earth is big enough to significantly affect that distance by several thousand kilometres. And the Moon's only 350-odd thousand kilometres away. So we've done the actual calculations for the middle of Ireland. And it shows, in fact, that this morning was the very closest point. Now, that said, the technicality, it's one part in 900 and something. So it'll just look as good tonight as it did last night. The full moon was technically this morning, around 4 a.m., mm. and the moon will technically be closest to the, to the Earth tomorrow. So really tonight, last night, and even Wednesday will be very good. The moon will look about 30% brighter than it does when it's furthest away. Yeah, it was incredibly bright as well. Yeah, the full moon always looks spectacular anyway, because it's by far the brightest thing in the night sky. And there's another thing that happens uh, when the moon is rising or setting. I was up watching it about five o'clock this morning as it set. And that's a thing called the moon illusion, where the moon looks bigger, sometimes to me, two or three times wider than it really is. Now, we know it's an optical illusion because you can take a picture and measure the size on the photograph accurately or use a telescope and measure it that way and it definitely is the same size but something in the human brain eye combination just magnifies the, mm. the moon appearing it's one of those in crazy optical illusions so get it when it's rising or setting so moonrise tonight for ireland is about 9 40 p.m so that's the time to be ready looking over in the east brilliant where does the name pink come from? Because it doesn't look pink. No, the moon won't look pink. It's called pink because the April moon comes, uh, it becomes full around the time the first pink flowers appear. A lot of these names come from North America because it's NASA and the Americans who dominate the internet that set the agenda. There are other cultures around the world that call the moon different, but it gets out there as the pink moon. But North America does have its first pink flowers a uh, herb, I believe, called uh, flux, I think it's called, mm. that uh, peppers the landscape at this time of year. So they call it the pink moon as a result. So you've had the snow moon and the wolf moon, right. and the next moon is called the flower moon in May. 
we had a full moon, yeah, half past four, but moon set at half past six this morning. Started out this morning talking about litter bins and public toilets in all of our beauty spots and places where people want to go at the weekends. And that was discussed at the county council in the last couple of days. But another um, article in the paper tells us that more public toilets, bins and benches are needed if Ireland is to properly embrace the outdoors this summer. It comes from Assistant Professor of Architecture Planning and Environmental Policy at UCD, Orla Hegarty, uh, who in fairness, Orla, we've been on before talking about ventilation. There's no better place than ventilate, to, to ventilate than, than the outdoors on a, on a nice afternoon. But we need to, places to sit, don't we? Good morning. We do. Good morning. And, and we have talked about it before. Um, we're really fortunate in Ireland. We have loads of, of really beautiful places to go, um, you know, beaches and parks and natural scenery. And people have been asked to get out for the summer, which is uh, good for everybody. Um, but we need to make sure that we keep the place clean, I suppose, and that people have um, amenities when they get there so that they do have uh, more benches and they have public toilets and uh, uh, that there's plenty of, of places to collect uh, rubbish and that people are not leaving it lying around. It's not enough just to tell people to get out. You've got to give them somewhere to go and, and a place to dump their rubbish and to use a toilet and, and sit when they buy that sandwich or that coffee. Well, in fairness, people were asked to socialise outdoors and they and they responded. You know, they were asked to do that and they did. Um, so I think we need to build on that positive message now that people have been compliant and um, they have been you know going to parks i i, I don't uh, i don't uh, haven't seen much from cork recently but i know in the city of dublin the parks are all are all full um with people sitting in groups at, at a distance so um and the same with the beaches um, there was reports from galway and uh, limerick at the weekend so i think we need to build on that if, if people are doing what they were asked to do well then let's support them to do it even better uh, and deal with the problems um of having people uh, leaving litter behind and not having toilets available. Mm. Uh, they're, in the overall scheme of things, these are very low-cost measures um, in order to reduce the risk of, of transmission. You talk in the uh, Examiner article and you say outdoor is not l- not no risk, it's low risk. It's a bit like the, the, the important word is safe or not safe, not just safe. And when you take that into account as well, yeah, there's very simple rules that people can observe. And if they think a little bit like being with a cigarette smoker, um, if you were standing outdoors with somebody smoking and you're quite close and in close conversation, you will smell the cigarette smoke. So it's, it's quite similar. If people are in, in close conversation, um, they can be at the same risk outdoors. So if you are going to be very close to somebody um, talking, you're better to be wearing a mask or keep your distance. Just keep it a bit of a distance. If younger people are getting together on the beach, um, be aware that you need to keep your distance and shouting and singing in loud voices can be putting virus into the yeah. air for other Like, what did you think of the videos from Salt Hill at the weekend, Orla? Well, I think we're at a really difficult stage in the pandemic where we have to balance the risks. Um, you know, the, the, the wrong thing to do is to shame people and send them home because that gives other problems. It means that people will meet out of sight, uh, which is much higher risk. And it also means there's a chance that if somebody is infected, um, that they won't tell the contact tracers who they were in contact with or where they went. Mm. So if somebody could infect somebody outdoors in that kind of setting. But at worst, in those conditions, they might infect a handful of people. If they were to meet indoors somewhere that was crowded and not well ventilated, 
they could infect dozens of people over an evening. So on balance of risk, it's a lot safer. And I think we need to also realise that people need some social contact. It's been Mm. a very difficult year and people need for their mental health to get out to meet people and to talk. Mm. So um, helping them to do that in a safe way is better than sending them home. There are many businesses for whom an outdoor element is just not possible. I'm thinking of, for example, restaurants that open straight out onto a main street. Doing it completely outdoors is just not possible. So eventually they're going to have to open as well. So ventilation and help with ventilation is key. Um, Help with ventilation is key. I mean, all buildings can be brought to low risk and sometimes it means reducing the occupancy to fewer people, um, better ventilation, better filtration. Um, Things like restaurants are really challenging because people stay for a long time. They sit very close together across a table, they talk um, and they don't wear masks when they're eating. So uh, restaurants are really challenging and that's going to need more spacing and more filtration when the community numbers come down. But I mean, I think, I think in the shorter term, um, restaurants that don't have outdoor space maybe need to be a bit more inventive. A lot of places have switched to deliveries, you know, pre-packaged food that people cook at home or, or takeaways. Uh, maybe they need to look at venues where they can do some kind of food offering, whether it's taking a floor in multi-storey car parks and spacing their customers out or using bigger, you know, retail warehouse type spaces right. where they can get good airflow. We do have other ways of having spaces that are out of the rain, okay. um, but that are not, uh, not unsafe. Okay. All right, Orla, thank you very much as always. That's Orla Hegarty from the UCD School of Architecture, the importance of ventilation. And if we are outdoors, we need places to sit and places to put our, our, our food and put our coffee and we need bins and we need toilets, lots and lots of toilets. 1850s, well, they are taking your litter home, right? I'm saying, you can take your litter home. Not so easy with the other. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairymaid Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Still got your comments coming in with regard to toilets and outdoor benches and seats and tables. But toilets in particular, Kate says it's a health and safety issue with COVID. Apart from anything else, there's the hand washing issue and the face in the air and face that. The air in the toilet is going to be pretty much the same for up to, say, 100 people. Then you have the queues. Fair enough, people can distance outside, but we know they often don't. And you could have someone coughing or sneezing on you in the queue which changes everything. But certainly a lot of people getting in contact with the opinion line to say that a lot of the toilets have no sanitizer. They've got no soap. Uh, how many, what, what's that they say? If you can't remember the last time you washed your hands, you're not doing it enough. I've just done it downstairs uh, just in preparation for the next hour of the program. I, I do it every hour during the program. It's just a thing. It's becoming such a thing. But if you are out looking for a local toilet, you might find the toilet, portable toilet, but then there's no, no hand washing, no sanitizer. It's only half a job. Trevor's has toilets blocked off in Blackpool Shopping Centre. Still can't understand why. It's a basic human right to have access to a toilet. 
I'd nearly pee on the floor in the middle of the shopping centre to get them to open it up. Well, Trevor, for God's sake, don't do that or I'll be reading about you in the papers. Shaney, don't do that at all. Well, it's, I, I, I do take your point. Antoinette says if the council are considering putting public toilets in, they need to make them accessible to everyone who needs them. Very little outdoor disabled toilets anywhere in Cork. Mary makes the point, as was made again this morning, when the marquee was on, there was no problem with toilets. Portable ones. Why can't the council do something like that? And you're not wrong, Mary, because if you remember the, the marquee, there would be dozens and dozens of those portable toilets out the side of the tent. So on your way out, everyone had a, a slasheroonie on the way out because the toilet there was just dozens of them, absolutely dozens of them, and it worked. Where are those? Can we not get some of them down to our lovely beauty spots over the weekend? Speaking of beauty spots, sad news from two beauty spots uh, in the last few days in terms of Mother Nature doing strange things with some of her biggest and most incredibly fascinating creatures. Last Friday in Inchidoni, a seven-metre basking shark, these huge, huge creatures... A seven metre basking shark washed up on Inshadani. And we're now hearing that a second huge shark has been found on Court McSherry Beach. That's about 20 kilometres away from the Inshadani area where the last one was found. And these are, if you've ever seen them, it used to be years ago, you'd go down to Mizzen Head and you'd look down off the Mizzen Head and you'd see them in the water below. They're just enormous things. And they provide, when this happens, they provide a huge opportunity for study uh, by zoologists. Um, and uh, Haley Dalton is a PhD student at the zoology department in Trinity College. And Haley, your research is into basking sharks. Good morning. Hi, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's it. Um, so these are incredible animals. Um, I'm sure if some of your listeners have seen them, mm. they just kind of take your breath away. Um, so when we have these sad events, uh, it's a really important opportunity for us to kind of go down and try and learn more about them. Um, because without this knowledge, it's really hard uh, to protect them um, efficiently. Mm. And so this is what we're doing with these strandings. Um, and to have two wash up in such a short amount of time and in the condition that they're in is incredibly rare. So, yeah, we're trying to, to make as, as much as we can from them. Tell me a little bit about them, because all we know about them is that they are they're huge and they are harmless to men. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So despite their size, um, they're completely harmless. So they um, they actually feed on tiny microscopic animals called zooplankton. So that's that's kind of the typical image that you think of when you when you hear the the words basking shark as them swimming along with their mouths open, yes. just filter feeding on the on these animals. They, they do. They swim along with the mouth open, and it's like a big, huge tunnel because their mouth can be several feet wide. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. So their mouths are wide, uh, but their throats are actually quite small, so about the size of your fist. Really? So despite that huge mouth, yeah, they've got tiny, tiny throats. So yeah, yeah, no, that's it. Because the it. impression you get is, I mean, if you like, that thing, if that thing comes near me, it'll swallow me before it even knows it. <laughs> no, no, exactly, exactly. But no chance of that with a throat that small. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's completely safe. Now, are they warmish water creatures? There was an old wives' tale uh, before, Haley, that if you saw basking sharks this early in the season uh, around our, close to our coast, that it might be a harbinger for, for warmer waters in the summer. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, these, I love, I love all these stories um, that try and predict the weathers for Mm. (laughs) the future summer. Um, But yeah, they, um, so they actually have quite a a wide range of distribution around the world, um, but they tend to stick to temperate waters. Mm. Um, And what happens is when we get periods of calm, warm weather, you start to see them at the surface. Um, but in reality, they might be around all year round, just lower down in the water column. Because mm. they can live um, to colossal depth, can't they? Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. So, um, yeah, they, we've tracked them kind of going down to depths of a, a thousand metres. Um, wow. So they're a really kind of wide range animal. They're incredibly impressive. Yeah. What would you hope, a student like yourself and your team, what would you hope to to learn from the two creatures that are now on our beaches yeah so um we've already uh, did, uh we've done the post-mortem on one of the sharks and we're hoping to do the other one today and um, and we're just kind of collecting more knowledge about their internal workings so mm. looking at their anatomy and morphology do we know um, why so they died not yet no no so um we're just collecting all the data at the minute um, and trying to to kind of put together a picture of, of what might have happened. Yeah. Um, like, are there things, I mean, does does something that size, Haley, have an enemy or, or something that is a danger to it that we might think about? Um, the biggest danger, as always, is man. Um, in terms of kind of animal predators, um, I don't think there's been anything or anything documented, but... Uh, orcas have been known to, to kind of prey on great whites to take out their liver. Um, so that's kind of the only other animal that, that might prey on a basking shark. Right, right. So it is unusual then to have two of them wash up quite... Oh, yeah, so yeah, it's really unusual, yeah. Um, Will you be looking for a such- pattern, Haley, to see is there something we should be worried about? Um, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll be um, collecting all the same data from both animals to try and see if there is um, any patterns emerging, because it is um, it is incredibly rare to have two animals wash up in in that condition in such a short amount of time. And mm. um, so yeah, we'll we'll be doing our best to kind of work out what's going on. One of the things that would spring to mind given all the discussion about it in recent years, is plastic. I mean, you say to me that the little throat is only the size of a fist, so could that get blocked by a large piece of plastic, or is it that something that could happen? Uh, there's there's always the potential. Um, but, and, and, you know, we see basking sharks with kind of uh, rings of plastic around their noses, around their throats. So it is it is a real kind of danger to them um, but in the first shark we didn't see any big plastics mm. but that's not to say that they might have ingested microplastics which are, which we'd see in their stomach and mm. um, so it, it is it is a real threat but not one I think that caused the, the death of the first shark right right 
Okay. How and that first shark, I believe, wasn't even fully grown at seven meters long. No, I know it's incredible, isn't it, to think of something that size uh, not being fully grown. Um, but I think the the largest basking shark that's been caught in fisheries is about twelve meters long. So they're what? incredibly, incredibly that's large. Feet? Yeah. Why? I know. I know. It's incredible. It's enormous. Um, and and uh, they grow to that size just eating plankton. Good lord! I know. I know. It's pretty good going, eh? Uh, if, if someone comes across one, um, Haley, and it, I'd say it must be an upsetting thing to find. A little bit scary until you realise that it's just a harmless dead shark. But what should they do? Um, to get in contact with, uh, so the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group. Uh, uh, have this kind of strandings team where they record um, any deaths of any like whales, dolphins, or kind of anything that people might find on the beach. Um, and again, like when that happens, um, they can then alert any research groups that might want to go down and, and collect data. Um, so that's that's the thing to do is to get in touch with them. Okay. All right. Listen, good talking to you. Haley Dalton, who's a PhD student at the College of Zoology in Trinity College. They got one shark, which is unusual to find one, uh, if you like, uh, freshly dead, uh, rather than having decayed before it was washed up. And now they've got a second one. We've got a second basking shark washed up on Court McSherry. Uh, down by Harbour View Beach near Court McSherry, washed up there on the rocks uh, this morning, we believe. Uh, I, they will establish, they will examine them to see is there a pattern between the two of them. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Oh, um, yeah, Blackpool Shopping Centre. The, the toilets are open, but you have to let you have to ask security. They're letting people in one at a time. Francis, that's from Frank. Francis, the toilets are open. There's someone directing people to which toilet they can use, and they'll only let in a certain number. And Graham, yes, you can use the toilets in Blackpool Shopping Centre. You just approach the nice man at the barrier, and he'll give you a number of a toilet, and then it's cleaned afterwards. And Andrew, it's only the cubicles that are closed in Blackpool. The urinals are open. Uh, you want to correct that before you have the mention something. Right. No, listen, delighted to clarify that. Delighted because, uh, is it Trevor? Yeah, Trevor was saying he was tempted to pee in the middle of the shop and said no need Trevor, just ask the nice man at the security barrier and he will let you in to the toilets. You can't just do that yeah, that's, they're managing them under public health advice. So there. Uh, on your topic about toilets, the y'all public toilets on the beachfront are a disgrace. Only two of them in operation out of the six. You'd need a gas mask to go into them let alone a face mask. 1850-715-996. Happy to clarify that. Blackpool Shopping Centre toilets are open. Just ask the nice man in the security uniform and he let you in. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Prince William has been named the world's sexiest bald man. Um, the Rock has weighed in on this. Yeah. Uh, the Rock has weighed in, and he's he's not happy. He's not happy, and people were thinking, "Oh, The Rock is is obviously putting himself forward." Yeah. The Rock 
has tweeted this. How in the cinnamon toast F does this happen when Larry David clearly has a pulse? <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. A long-standing tradition in Cork. Open 24-7 at nildc.com. Cork's 96 Mary or Mary says it's even better than you making out about Blackpool, PJ. They have a fella permanently on the toilets and he tells you when it's safe to go in or come out. And it's been like that since COVID started. Happy to hear that. Eugene remarks that anyone going to photograph the full moon tonight, use a tinted filter or maybe a coloured sweet paper. Uh, so the moon is so bright, a filter, a filter will help no end to get more detail on the surface. Thanks for that, Huge. I haven't mentioned vaccines at all this morning. The, the NIAC are apparently going to approve the use of Johnson & Johnson. Well, they have approved the use of Johnson & Johnson and they've relaxed the restrictions on AstraZeneca. Now that goes to Tony Houlihan. He makes a decision and he tells the government what they need to do. But they're hoping that the J&J will go out now for the under- 50s, or is it the over 50s? It's confusing. The, uh, yes, the over 50s will be able to use Johnson & Johnson. They're also changing AstraZeneca and including the over 50s there, which should improve things. That now goes to Dr. Tony Holohan, who will then bring it before Neffet, who will then advise the government. But the good news is anyway that Johnson & Johnson, the 650,000 of them coming and something like 2 million before the end of the year, has been approved for the over 50s other age groups might get it people in house homeless accommodation uh, direct provision um, I think traveller halting sites because it's just one dose and because there's no need to make second appointments for people I think they're going to use it for, for those cohorts as well I noticed that there's no mention of the guards guards still not put a set aside like you've got 650,000 of these could you not vaccinate a few guards with them you know, we still have our guards unless their age cohort comes into it. And bearing in mind that most guards retire in their early 50s, you retire in after 30 years service, you'd probably be in your early 50s. Uh, most ordinary guards anyway would. So we have most of our guards still nowhere near vaccinated. And it, it continues to be as big a disgrace this week as it was last week. 1850-715-996. Karina, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, PJ. Now, I'll talk to you about the um, how you're raising money for Breed and McGrath's uh, charity in a minute, the Memorial Fund. But but um, who is or was Breed? Breed McGrath was... Um a patient within CUH that had breast cancer and unfortunately passed away not so long ago. And there's a fund within CUH that's now in her memory to um, financially assist cancer patients during their treatment. I see, I see. And you are selling donated clothes? Yes. So how does that work? Um, So during the lockdown, I suppose everyone was clearing out their wardrobes and selling it to charity and I thought what a good idea you know to um, sell those clothes and make something out of it for charity so I suppose as well you know with the whole theme of fast fashion and sustainability I thought it would be a good idea. Okay so how can people send you stuff? Uh, Depop is your is your shop as it were. Yes and What does Instagram, Depop mean? 
Depop is a platform which you can sell. Um, I suppose generally it's mainly used for clothes, but you can sell anything on it. Okay, because if you click on your Depop, you will see loads and loads of pictures of different garments, different items that are all for sale. Yes. Okay. And and, and then the, the, all the funds raised will go to the, to the Breed and McGrath fundraiser. Yes, that's it, essentially. Right. What I mean, are you looking for more stuff or, or where, how can people get it to you? Um, well, I suppose, you know, um, a lot of people, I suppose, close family and friends have donated. Um, so I suppose if you get in contact with me through my Instagram, which is Karina's Charity Shop, um, that people can contact me through that. Great. 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 And what was your connection to Breda? Did you have one? Um, I didn't necessarily have a connection with Breda, but certainly my family has lost many members to cancer, so I suppose sure. it resonated me, resonated within me, and I suppose I wanted to help when I heard about it. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about fast fashion because I know that young people are very interested in it these days. And when we think about the fact that there'll be a queue down the street and around the corner to get back into pennies when it opens, that's one side of it. But the other side of it is that people are you're asking the fast fashion movement wants us to stop doing that. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose fast fashion is essentially you know the build up of waste clothes that are not sold and the amount of energy and the impact it has on the environment. So I suppose trying to curtail that waste um, is a huge issue and something that I think will definitely be prevalent in the next couple of years, trying to recycle and upcycle clothes. And that's kind of where my idea came from and sustainability, keeping that, making it sustainable. Okay, okay. So, uh, and Depop is, is a platform that allows people to, to sell people like that and, and uh, to sell things. And it is, Depop is specifically set up, I think, to combat the fast, the fast fashion. Yes, that is the main idea, I suppose, of it. Yeah, they're big on vintage stuff and all that. Yeah. Okay, you got Karina's Charity Shop. That's your Instagram, and people can find yeah. out more there. And and of the raffle, where? What's the prize in the raffle? Um, well, as of the moment, it's a bit of a surprise. But I suppose what I will reveal is that there is vouchers for afternoon tea. There's, I suppose, with Photo Wildlife Park opening as well. There's a voucher for that up for grabs. But I'd also really appreciate if businesses reached out to, I suppose, sponsor prizes because obviously with COVID there has been a slight struggle with finding things. But of course, I've greatly appreciated the local community getting involved as well, okay. especially Super Value. Oh yes, with well, their great help They're in Glenmire area, great people down there in that Super Value. Yeah, great people. Okay, okay, Karina, good on you, Karina Mahan uh, from Glenmire. And, and she's donating to the Breda McGrath Memorial Fund through her Depop platform, selling clothes at, and Karina's charity shop on Instagram. It's there for you. If you want to help out, a very worthy and valid charity is the Breda McGrath Memorial Fund. Speaking of funds, uh, hi PJ, where do we donate to give to Calcutta? The Hope Foundation. The Hope Foundation. Foundation, you'll find their website. Yes, thanks, Fergal. I should point that out. That's Karina with a K. K O R I N N A. K O R I N N A. Karina's charity shop. 
if you want to get involved in that particular one and she has the raffle coming up we had loads more to do yeah, on the basking sharks, Elizabeth said one of the main reasons it's so interesting that two of them have beached is because they're such passive creatures. They may have beached themselves or just ended up in unsuitable waters in a desperate attempt to escape a predator. Maybe there's a killer whale out there. Go get some boats out. I'm surprised your academic didn't say that. And the killer whale coming this close to our coasts? I've never heard of such a thing. Maybe it, maybe it, maybe it does happen. Yeah, you know, I love sometimes this program. It kind of descends into a chat over coffee between various people around the city and county that they're working or they're taking a break or it's on in the corner when they're doing their bits and pieces and I'll say something and they'll come back. It'd be a bit like sitting around a round table with people having their coffee and biscuits and one fella said something and they're no, no, that's not true at all, boy. that's not true at all. There have apparently been sightings of orcas, killer whales, around the coast. I would have said not that close, night, not up on the beaches like in Shidani or 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 Court Mac. Paul then reminds us that in two thousand and one a pod of killer whales swam up the River Lee. I remember that. I do remember that they were small though. They were they were small. They weren't big, huge, fully grown orcas. And they did manage to find them up there. And there's actually a, an archive report on the RTE television archives from the time. Yeah, they probably do come up. I don't know. See what I mean? It's like your conversation. Pass the biscuits there, Tom. Pass the biscuits there. 1850-715-996. If you're into DIY and doing up old houses and repurposing old stuff, chatting earlier on this morning um, about about the, the caravan that Erica did up with her family and now it's a little place to live in their woodland area outside it looks fabulous there's another one Emma Crowley building the Crowley homestead you've done it all on Instagram repurposing some fabulous stuff as you rebuild there's huge interest in it isn't there Emma good morning hi good morning PJ Um, yeah I think it's the whole uh, Instagram thing has kind of taken um, me a bit aback to be honest (laughs) Um, I just started I, I just started the account because um, so we built a house um, and we moved in just before COVID um, so we were really lucky but um, basically nothing was finished and I built I, I set up the account because I was getting questions from aunties um, kind of on a daily basis so I said I'd start an Instagram account for it and it kind of just spirals like it's not a huge account or anything but it's, it's a, lovely, it's a lovely house and your photographs are really nice I'm scrolling through them again here I, I love the the plants and stuff that you have in, in the house. So where is the house to start with? Um, we're just outside Riverstick. Okay. Um, and a, yeah, a new so build, was it? It's a new build, yeah. Um, but I suppose it probably doesn't really look like a new build on the inside. Um, it's a really modern looking house on the outside, but we, we kind of wanted something more, I suppose, for it to look modern on the inside, but to be still able to have pieces of furniture that were old or that we had repurposed or... Yeah. Re, you know, done up again, and you um, particularly kind of like that the, the 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 look inside, very modern house near that. On the inside, is it a, is it a retro theme you're trying to trying to set, or what is it? To be honest with you, um, I've done interior design courses, but I, I I would say I kind of probably am interested in too many different styles. Um, so to have a really plain looking house 
um, like a really modern looking house and then kind of just add in your own style I don't really like follow rules I just mm-hmm. if I see something I like it and I, I, th- I, I think if you buy something you love mm. um, it generally fits in do you know what I mean like it's I think people get too obsessed with like seeing a picture on on, on Pinterest or something and they oh, just want to replicate it oh thank goodness you said that <laughs> Thank God you said that. Pinterest is the bane of so many people's lives. <laughs> it is. It's, just, it's, it's, it's more interesting to just have, you know, something strange, random in the house. Yeah. And I probably, it'll probably get worse. I'd probably be clo- uh, prone to um, clutter, to be honest. <laughs> would you be inclined to clutter the place up, you would? <laughs> I would be. It's, it's, I find it very hard not to. Because so you love stuff didn't... and you don't want to let it go, is that it? Yeah, I just like if I find something interesting, I'll, I'll bring it back. Like, like I was, I was out um, at the beach in Garthstown there at the weekend, and I brought home loads of stones. I say people think I'm nuts. Like when they, uh, <laughs> no, no, I don't think you, I don't think you're nuts. I, I have a little table out the back on the patio, and the table's been changed two or three times. You know the way they, yeah. they last the season a bit, but the little flat stone and the little roundy stone that I brought home from. I'd, I'd Fountainstown maybe 15 years ago still yeah. there <laughs> yeah it's there, for, it's there for a reason like you know that's what I it's there I, I, I love it I'd slaughter anyone yeah. for getting rid of it <laughs> you love collecting driftwood like from the beach and stuff like that I must go back at that now again for the garden but uh, yeah yeah, it's nice to have interesting things I think and what, what inspires you is it, is it like stuff that you say I like that yeah, I'd say, I'd say um, I studied history in college and I was always interested in art. And I think I'm, I'm kind of drawn towards, um, I suppose you'd say, art deco style. Um, but it's kind of, I suppose, art deco is, is, is quite a modern look, but it's a lot of kind of gold and embellishment. So, you know, I, I, I've done things like I've... I've um, the downstairs bathroom I have mad blue wallpaper on the walls and the ceiling is painted gold mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, blue so in the kitchen kind of like, as well yeah the kitchen so the kitchen is yeah it's bright it's a bright blue kitchen um, with kind of yeah with the art deco kind of style handle and that lovely retro fireplace yeah and the fireplace again it would be kind of I suppose yeah probably a modern version of um, art deco so I, I kind of um, I am going down a, a route to a certain extent but yeah, I think if you kind of keep it simple. Like, do you start out with a plan, or are you just sort of, there's my house, and I'm just looking at the outside now, like it's a big house, and loads of beautiful windows on it, and all that. but are you just, and a fabulous bathroom, I must say, but like, are you, are you just saying, right, here's my house, and I'm going to put my things into it, in a way that, that I love? No, I, I would have sat down and done a plan, so I, I started out with, I suppose, the idea of colours, so I'm very drawn to the colours of the sea. So you can kind of see that everywhere in the house. It's, mm. it's all blues and navies and greens. And that's how it started out. And then I suppose then you kind of choose colours that are going to pop off against that. So in the kitchen, I, I have kind of pink against the baby blue, which probably isn't really my style as a person, but it's just it kind of makes you feel happy when you go down there in the morning. That's a colour. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then in the sitting room, it was all based around that fireplace. I saw that fireplace on an ad I think somewhere in a magazine and I hunted it down mm. Mm. <laughs> and then everything was based around that ad um, and like a, a, then we went to a Finland Furniture so a nice Irish company right. um, 
and we went with them for I suppose again it's it's a, a couch that's kind of really simple um, and kind of traditional in style kind of again a little bit of an art deco style but a kind of modern version mm. so the, the fireplace and the couch were based around that and then the nice um, the nice kind of dresser that you see in the sitting room um, I bought that on adverts I think it was for 80 euro I think right um, and it's perfect I mean I'm probably going to change the handles on it but I actually saw an antique shop in Dublin selling the same thing for I think it was nearly a thousand wow um, yeah. yeah so it's it's funny it's funny the things that people I won't say throw away but people nearly give away mm. um, because it just it doesn't suit them anymore but so do you do you scour antique shops when they're open or websites when they're closed or would you just spot something and say I want that yeah, I, I, I also I keep an eye on Facebook Marketplace and right. adverts. Um, I really miss antique shops, um, so I didn't really, I haven't really gotten to go into an antique shop since we moved into the house, um, which is probably a good thing because I don't think there's much space <laughs> <laughs> left for anything. Sorry, I'm going. <laughs> but like, um, there's actually, I'm not, so I'm not from Cork. I was lured down here by a Corkman, mm-hmm. um, and um, I. Um, so I'm from Carlo originally and right. there's a guy up home in Carlo and um, he's like my furniture guru so he does house clearances right. um, and he's like really reasonable so you get these amazing pieces of furniture off him so I have a few pieces of furniture that are up there with him so I have empty spaces at the moment <laughs> um, but there's, there's there's things earmarked for them but I kind of find it hard to remember if I see something that I really like you, 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 I find it hard to remember <laughs> Shoehorning some of the stuff in at the end. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. Like I, I currently have a dresser actually, which I have up for sale at the moment on one of the on one of the sites mm. that I saw, and I was like, I had an idea of what I wanted to do with it, um, and I did that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't fit in with the house because we really have fairly high ceilings. Mm-hmm. So I have this lovely like drinks cabinet now sitting in the kitchen, which. It's lovely, but it doesn't look right there. <laughs> what What's the Corkman's name who lured you down? Kevin. And how, how does Kevin feel about all this stuff? Uh, poor Kevin is, um, sure, I mean, he just puts up for this. <laughs> He's the actually, bl- it's, it's starting to interest him now, though. You know, I think if, if you've never done anything, like I like doing a bit of DIY and yeah. I, I love gardening. And um, he's actually kind of developing a bit of an interest in it now. Mm. I think bl- because he has to. <laughs> <laughs> the blue is interesting. There's a lot of research um, about about blue. That yeah. spending time in the presence of of the color blue is actually calming. Yeah, definitely is. Yeah, I and that's why some people that. like to see so much. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like the. So we we converted one of the bedrooms into an office come gym here, and it's um, it it's a it's a really nice blue color, but it's a kind of a greeny blue. And the only way I can describe it is that you know when the sea, the Irish Sea, is that stormy green blue Azure, color. Azure, I think they call it. A Z U R E. Yeah, it's a kind of a yeah, a kind of a dark version of that. Like, and it's just a really relaxing color. Yeah, it's a experience. lovely color. It's a beautiful yeah. color. Yeah, I'd like to see at sunset. That kind of a exactly. green, yeah, it's yeah. lovely, really That's lovely. Greeny, are, green, are you into yeah. open plan or or not? A lot of people the are hitting back at <laughs> the house is totally open plan. So, but um, as a concession to my lovely husband, there is a sliding wall in the middle of the house. Right, um, he didn't like the open plan idea. 
Um, his argument was that if he wanted to watch football and I was in the kitchen um, talking, <laughs> that he wouldn't want to hear me. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, I like open plan, but as my missus was pointing out to me the other night, you know what she said? Imagine being open plan through lockdown with a couple of small kids running around. Yeah, that, and that is the problem. Like, And I think a lot of people don't consider that as well. We don't actually have a separate... Um, we don't actually have a separate area either. Like, we didn't put in a playroom or anything if we do have kids. Um, but... Uh, like yeah, they'll have loads of old furniture of, to play on anyway. They'd be grand. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, do you know what my plan was now? That we have a storeroom downstairs, which is basically just full of DIY stuff at the moment. Right. And eventually, when we have a, sh- a bigger shed, that can move outside, and then that could be kind of a den in Kevin, she's already building on. She's building on already. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm looking, looking, looking at the space around it. <laughs> you, you have loads of space to... The poor boy will be building on forever. Kevin, we're we building now. on... <laughs> The, sp- the space is there for a reason now because I have a horse, so uh, he's not down here yet. But, uh, <gasps> you have to have room for the pony, you know. <laughs> You, Mrs. Bouquet, I was just thinking that Mrs. Bouquet, <laughs> yeah, she's got oh loads of retro furniture and room for a pony. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Listen, great conversation, Emma. Thank you very much. And people can look at it at the Crow- the Crowley House uh, building. I get the right ra- I get the right name here now. It's building. One second, scroll up, Pete. Scroll up, scroll up, you idiot. It's called. Where's that going? Building the Crowley Homestead on Instagram. Emma Crowley, thanks very much. That was fun. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine. They're surprised here on the executive research desk that I've heard of Asia. Sure, of course I have. It's the color of the sea. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with Dairy Made Premium Spread, one hundred percent natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Paul, you're on the radio in about one minute's time. Hold on for me. Uh, this Saturday, I remind you again to join Trevor Welsh on ninety six FM ie for all the excitement of the Premier League. It's all powered by Talk Sport. Live and exclusive coverage of Crystal Palace versus versus Manchester City at half twelve. Brighton against Leeds. At three, Chelsea v Fulham at 5.30 and at eight, Everton against Aston Villa. That's a busy lineup for Trev and the team on Saturday. The Premier League live online with now. Stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership. And listen Saturday at 96fm.ie or on the Cork's 96fm app. Now, Paul, you got in touch with us. It's your girlfriend was affected by this, is it? Good morning. How are you? Good. What happened? I'm I'm on a push bike at the moment because the, the price of the insurance is kind of ridiculous. So I went away and I bought a I bought a bike for twelve hundred euros. Right. Put a few bob into it. Got new tires for it, bits and pieces, this, that, and the other. And this is the third time now it's after happening. And I cycle up and down the mountain walk every day. And this is the third time now, and two of the tiles have to get sliced again. There's glass everywhere. And whereabouts is this, Paul? Mahan, what part of Mahan? I, I joined the Mahan Walk from the, from the Matter Private. Right. And I come down the hill there. I'm doing this every day, five, six days a week. Right. It was your girlfriend actually contacted us, yeah. And the two wheels, and the tubes and all are gone. I was cycling down now this morning. I left my place half eight this morning, cycling down the road. And, yeah, like, I know I should be locking down, but, you know, I said there's only so much locking down you can do to lock your surroundings as well. Yeah. 
And you had to go, you had to go back home? Push the bike back home then and onto the bus. Oh, and get a bus and then but like I, I like I know it's person person but, it, but once or twice you might get over it but this is this is the fourth or the fourth I know it's after happening to me coming down the road and not the one wheel then two wheels together yeah I know that's a dose and and this is the the walk describe exactly where it happened you know the tunnel the, if you join the matter private come down there and you just come down there a small bit and there's a little a tunnel of a walk with yes in there to be a couple of like you don't mind them hanging around the place, but they'd be smashing the glasses and there'd be cans everywhere and glass everywhere. Yes, this is the and tunnel. There's, there's a bridge and there's a tunnel under the road. Um, you, yeah. you, they used to use it actually as part of accessing one of the holes on the golf course. Actually, used to be got exactly. through that tunnel and that goes out onto. And now I know exactly where you were. And of course, little devils um, smash, smash, smashing bottles in in the tunnel or in yeah. in the. Yeah. Like you go down. Nearly every Monday, Tuesday, you're going down, you're, you're ducking and diving and dodging, trying to duck the glass, dodge the glass, and there was actually another young fella down there in as well. And the same, pushing the, pushing the bike back up the road. Nothing, nothing exactly worse. Well. The last thing you need when you're on your way to work, come here, 1,200 quid on a bike. That's a it's, good bike, I'd say. It's, it's just a nice little tidy little mountain bike. It's just, I said, it's either that now or spend... Thousand euros on a car, and then three, four grand in shore. Yeah, running the mills of it, and I'm I'm working I'm working close to home. So I said, I I, I can't justify spending out that money on the car for a while. Do you know what I mean? You have to tell your boss as well. Listen, I can't come in after getting two punctures. I know. <laughs> I take it that conversation didn't go well. No, well, no, he's under his he's fair enough. He knew he knows I'm on the push bike. Do you know what I mean? Like this morning, said, look, this I there's no panic, but. There's only so much of it you can take as well, do you know what I mean, before you get fed up with it, just yeah. like... And have you contacted the council? Because I think they're responsible for that walkway. Yeah, they do a good job cleaning it up now, in fairness. They do. They tidy it up well. Mm. But you can't be there every day tidying no. it up, do you know what I mean? Mm. But I've often passed there now in the evenings and there's a lot of them under the sun. You don't mind, I'm doing it, but... There's bins everywhere down there. Well, put away your rubbish after you. Exactly. I'm just saying you don't mind them doing it. You don't mind them drinking down there. That's what they're going to do. But that's what kids have always done. But for goodness sake, put away the bottles and don't be smashing them. Like this is your third or fourth time this has happened. It happened now over Christmas. Now was when I was coming back one night. There was a load of them in there and went through it and it caught the back tire and load of them down there with me. I got off the bike. I said, just look, just tidy it up, FG. Do you know what I mean? You, you see the, the predictions you're putting other people into. And what do they, what do they say? Ah, sure, laughing a joke and turn your back on them then, do you know what I mean? They laughed at you when they, yeah, they saw yeah. what happened to your sure. bike. Oh, Walking away then with the fucking back wheels Easy. back the bike. You're grand. you're grand, I know. Very frustrating, very frustrating. It is, and after pain, I got the tyres. I only got the tyres about, I'd say, nine weeks ago. Yeah. 40 euro tyre and then the tubes in as well another 100 euros yeah. I know there's no excuse for it that ever was none at all none at all alright listen I, and you'll be, you'll be on Shanks' pony or the bus for a while now will you because those tyres are for a couple of weeks now because the rent is due now in a couple of weeks so oh that will come first and then they can put the money back into the bike then again alright 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 listen take it easy Paul thanks for that um, and that's just very he mentioned three or four times going down there and they confronts them and said lads you cop on and they're only laughing at him and he's he's the one trying to push away a punctured bike and push it home you feel for him you feel for him and this is it all ties in with the litter
it all ties in with bins. It all ties in with having a bit of responsibility for your own stuff. We were talking about vaccines and the queues for vaccines and we spoke to a vaccine uh, nurse on Friday who called us, didn't want to identify where she was working, but was working in the centre with some, I suppose, tips for how people can make their vaccination journey, as it were, easier on themselves. Uh, I got this email yesterday. My name is Breda. I spoke with you Friday morning about the situation with delays at vaccination centres and thank you for the opportunity to speak. I want to refer to some of the points that the vaccinator who contacted you made, particularly the reason for such delays, that it was people turning up an hour or so too early. I've contacted a number of people who've been vaccinated and all of them told me the earliest they got there was 10 to 15 minutes before. Who in their right mind at 68 or 69 years of age wants to queue an extra hour? One example is my own situation. An 11.25 appointment, arriving at 10 past 11, getting my vaccine at 12.30. With regard to the details being taken, to which she referred, like allergies, underlying conditions, or any important medical information, which was where I felt the biggest delay was, all can very easily be given online or by phone and verified by the vaccinator on the day. There are no children being vaccinated at these centres, and most of us are responsible adults, who would have held positions of responsibility during our working lives. Uh, thank you once again, PJ, and the team at 96FM. I think this whole system should be booked online. It's an argument I'm sure we'll come back to. Uh, the, the vaccinator, when we spoke to her, explained why they take the information. They have to be able to identify you and make sure it's yours and it's all of that. But there's Breeders' experience. And the vaccinator said to us, look, people are turning up a bit early. They're excited. They're anxious to get their dab. Turn up at the appointed time. Don't be turning up early. But Breeders says, hold on. She turned up on time and was still waiting until half past 12, which that's no fun either, as they say. 1850-715-996. That's it for today. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And we shall see you tomorrow just after nine. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.